And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your high State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. A little bit of a different show for you today. You have myself, Bill Landis, who you're used to hearing. I'll be joined in a minute by Dane Brugler. He's The Athletic's NFL Draft Analyst. You've probably heard Dane before. He's He's been doing this a long time. Um, I'm not sure we've ever had him on, on our podcast, but you're probably familiar with his work. If you're not, follow him on Twitter at DP Brugler. If you're an Athletic subscriber, theathletic.com slash 4-6 gets you signed up and you can follow Dane's work there too. I think he's the best in the business. We wanted to talk with Dane about Ohio State's draft prospects and I think this is something we'll try to do a little bit more moving forward. Just bring some new voices uh, into the podcast feed, whether that's myself interviewing somebody or, or Ari interviewing somebody. It's not going to change anything with regards to, to how we do the show normally. You're still going to get uh, Ari and I regularly every week talking about Ohio State. We want to add some stuff to it too as we tr- continue to try to grow this podcast. So Dana and I talk about Justin Fields, the conversation that, that's going on uh, with him right now in terms of how he fits into the quarterback pecking order. Uh, we talk about some guys who could rise in the draft, possibly like Tommy Togiai, um, a guy who could fall in the draft like like Sean Wade, cover a lot of ground with, with just about every one of Ohio State's NFL draft prospects. And at the end of the conversation, we talk about the guys who came back for the 2021 season to still play for the Buckeyes and how those guys might be able to help themselves this year and situate themselves maybe a little better for the 2022 NFL draft. So a lot to get to with Dane. Enjoy the conversation. Pleased to be joined on four to six with AMB by the athletics draft analyst, Dane Brugler. 
Dane is the best in the business as far as I'm concerned. Very happy to have him working with us at The Athletic. And if you don't follow Dane on Twitter, first of all, you should. But also, he produces The Beast, right, Dane? It's called The Beast. I don't know. It's What's it, a million words you produce every year on the, on the NFL draft prospects? Something like that. Yeah, I mean, what, one of the, you know, the, the loyal followers of the draft guide affectionately called it, started calling it The Beast, and it kind of stuck. So um, I think it's appropriately named with the, the amount of information that's in there on these draft prospects. And, um, and yeah, if you have a subscription to The Athletic, uh, you get it included. So I think right there is a, a good selling point for you know, why people need to be uh, uh, subscribed to uh, our stuff. I, uh, I, I got The Beast before we started working the athletic, at The Athletic. I was happy to get it as part of working for The Athletic now, but I, I get it every year. I, I print it out in PDF form, and I have it stashed on my desk here throughout the draft process. So if you're anyone who is interested in the lead-up to the draft, who your favorite NFL team drafts after the draft is over, you need to get your hands on Dane's draft uh, scouting notebook, The Beast. I think The Beast is, is, is aptly named, and uh, it should be out uh, in early April before the draft. And if you're subscribed to The Athletic, you get that as part of your subscription, which makes it worth the price alone in addition to everything we do. We have Dane on to obviously talk about Ohio State's draft class, what it figures to be a, a large draft class again for the Buckeyes, most likely double digits, at least appro- approaching that. So we're going to run through just about every guy who, who's hoping to get drafted this this spring and, and maybe a guy or two who surprisingly decided to come back to Ohio State. I'd be interested in getting some of Dane's thoughts on that as well. But Dwayne, Dane, let's start with, uh, I think the guy at the head of this class, obviously, is it's Justin Fields, uh, quarterback for the Buckeyes. And there's some discussion about Justin right now that, <laughs> that feels a little like unsophisticated to me, like this idea that he's a, a quote unquote one read quarterback. I'm not even entirely sure what that means. Um, I, I do like the way that you described Justin when you had your uh, ranking of the top 10 quarterbacks in this class when, when you wrote about Justin having to sort of speed up his process a little bit, which I think is fair if you've watched Justin play and you've watched him a lot and I've watched every play of his career. What do you make of the discussion about Justin right now? Um, how much of this idea that he has to speed up his process is is a fields thing or how much is a product of, of the Ohio State offense? Well, and if if you can find anybody that can really answer that question, then I'd love to hear the answer because, <laughs> you know, we don't – we don't. We won't know until he's really outside of that offense. Um, you know the, the what he was asked to do in that Ryan Day scheme. Um, he he did it at a very high level. Um, but it, what he was asked to do in college and what he'll be asked to do at the NFL level are two very different things. And so uh, w- when you watch him, uh, when I study the tape, I see a guy that is you know he, he's very focused on that initial read. And when things are on time, on schedule, he throws with outstanding accuracy and pacing and rhythm, and it looks really, really good. And the execution is there. When the play breaks down, that's where uh, all of a sudden he's just he struggles and he's not finding those second and third reads very efficiently. Um, He's not uh, creating those second chance plays. And so part of it is, uh, you know, he needs to play with more urgency. Um, you know, part of it is that offense is just doesn't ask him to make those full field reads, uh, you know, just in an efficient, ma- efficient manner, because it's, it's designed to get that preferred read uh, scheme them open and, you know, find those vulnerable matchups. And it, it, they do a very good job of that. So, you know, it's, it's really tough because again, you have a player who not saying he can't do it, but 
until we see him do it, it's a projection. And so when you're talking about, uh, you know, potential top five, top 10 pick, there's going to be a lot of disagreements about him. Um, And especially when it's a crowded group at the top, like this year, Uh, you know, I took a lot of heat from Buckeye fans when I put Zach Wilson as my number two quarterback back in October. Uh, But, you know, I was so, uh, you know, blown away with what Zach Wilson brought uh, that I, you know, I I decided that he, he, I would, he was a higher uh, graded prospect for me at that point. And that has, uh, stayed true even after the Clemson game and how good Justin Fields looked in that game. Um, I, there's 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 so much to like about him. It's not like you know it's it, I feel like it's turned into either you like Justin Fields or you don't, and that's just not it. Uh, yeah, he's a very very good quarterback, and I would not hesitate to draft him in the top 15 picks. Uh, now, would I rather have Zach Wilson? Yes, I would. But that doesn't mean I don't like Justin Fields. I think he's he's a very very talented player. He's got high ceiling traits. Uh, the athleticism, uh, the, the arm, the accuracy. I think he's a smart player. He's a competitive player. But in terms of uh, just being a more efficient quarterback, a more urgent quarterback, expanding his passing vision, those are things that he needs to get better at and learn. And can he do that at the NFL level? Yeah, he can. But there's a projection there. And I think that's where, uh, you know, the, the disagreements come into play. Uh, it, it's just, you know, people – not on the same page with that projection. I don't think it's crazy if you like to have Zach Wilson ahead of Justin Fields. Like I, there are a lot of people who have Zach Wilson ahead of, ahead of Justin Fields. It's when Justin Fields starts showing up as like quarterback number seven on some people's list that I that I wonder yeah. like what exactly is going on there a little bit. I'm not going to ask you to comment on, on other people's um, thoughts or, or mock drafts or anything like that. But uh, in this class, I guess I think everyone is widely in agreement that Trevor Lawrence is one. There's discussion after that about who exactly is number two. Like. Mm-hmm. If you have Justin Fields, you have Zach Wilson, and then you have Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask. Like, is is Justin pretty solidly for you ahead of the guys behind him? If you have him at third, or is he? I don't know. Is he closer to Wilson at two than he would be to the guys behind him at three, four, five, six? I, I think my or one of my six. two, my one of my two are pretty set. I think I I, I don't I, I I will keep an open mind throughout the process because it, it makes no sense otherwise. Um, but I do think one and two are pretty set. Now, I think three and four are up in the air for me right now. Um, and I think because both these guys, Trey Lance at North Dakota State, Justin Fields, I, I think it, it's trying to figure out, you know, what's going on with their thought process and mental processing, things like that. And it's it's really hard to do that just from the tape. Um, so the next two months, it's going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to be talking to each one of these players individually, talking to a lot of people around them and just try to get a better feel for, um, you know, how they think, how they, uh, see the field, how they digest plays and then, uh, look to execute. So there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, and then I, I, I think those will be my three and four quarterbacks. I don't, I don't think any, I don't like Mac Jones, I think will stay at five. And then I think there's a pretty big gap after five, um, you know, Kyle Trask, is a nice player. Um, I think he's a career backup in the league, you know, more of a third, fourth round type. So um, one and two are set three and four kind of up in the air, trying to figure out that order five will be Mac Jones. And then I think there's a, a group of uh, talented quarterbacks that, uh, you know, have a shot at getting drafted, but I don't, there, there's not much starting potential after the top five guys. The idea, we'll move off Justin in a second, but I just find this conversation fascinating. Um, the idea that, that Ryan Day's offense is at least part of, of, the, of the 
process here when you're talking about Justin Fields' ability to, to make decisions quickly and, and speed up his process. I'd expect Ryan Day is going to be the head coach here for a long time. So every time he has a quarterback coming out, I suppose that's going to be part of the conversation until he's no longer at Ohio State. But did, did you feel similarly at all when, when Dwayne Haskins was coming out about this, this, this ability to process things quickly? And is it something that, that a quarterback prospect, I guess, could overcome depending on what he shows, like in terms of individual traits, or is it just something that's going to weigh heavily in the evaluation for every Ryan Day quarterback, you know, in perpetuity? Yeah, and to be honest with you, I don't know if I feel comfortable uh, with with an answer just because I don't know if we have a, had a sample size yet to really mm-hmm. to really know. I mean, we saw a little bit of Dwayne Haskins in the scheme, um, you know, uh, but I think the schemes just it's a little different too with Fields. I, I think Ryan Day, um, you know, he understands how to how to tweak things to fit the strengths of his quarterback. Um, so you know, I, I think that it, it's it, it's the it's the responsibility of the head coach to win football games. And in the process, you develop your guys. But first and foremost, you want to win football games. And obviously, Ryan Day has done a heck of a job of doing that. Um, Now, the development part, especially with these quarterbacks, uh, you know, obviously, Dwayne Haskins, uh, he obviously could have used more time at the college level. Um, You know, we've seen that and how that's played out so far in in his career. Uh, Justin Fields, I mean, I think he – he think I think he did all that he could do uh, at Ohio State. I don't know that another year would have changed much, um, but uh, you know I, I think that it'll be interested. It'll be interested to see this fall with whoever ends up being that next quarterback at Ohio State. What the offense looks like? How how is it? How is it tweaked? How is it different um, to adapt to the different quarterbacks? And how do those quarterbacks respond? So I don't I don't I just I don't know if we've had a big big enough sample size yet to have an answer that I feel really strongly about. And then ultimately, I guess on on Justin before we move off of him, uh, this this entire conversation I guess we're having this this need to speed things up a little bit and and the uncertainty that comes with that because of the offense that he's in. Like how how much of a red flag is it is it actually? Uh, I know he's in a class with with Trevor Lawrence, who's maybe the best quarterback prospect coming out since Andrew Luck, um, and Zach Wilson has risen kind of tremendously in, in this process. I, I think there are years where maybe Justin could be is talented enough to be QB one in the draft. It just so happens he's in a loaded class this year. So is this like terribly out of the ordinary for a college prospect to have these questions about him? And is it something that that NFL teams are are legitimately given pause by? You know, I, I think that from team to team, you're going to get a different answer because there are some teams that are going to bet on on physical traits, you know, like the, the Josh Allens. Uh, you know, Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming was all physical traits, physical traits and high intangibles and was not the most accurate passer. But, you know, they bet on those physical traits and the, and the high intangibles. And obviously that's that's worked out well. Um and with Justin Fields, I mean, he's, he's different than Josh Allen. I'm not comparing them as players, but Justin Fields is also a uh, very high ceiling traits time type of quarterback who has some things to answer in terms of his passing vision and, and things like that. Uh, and for other teams, you know, that's, that's, they're looking for more from their quarterback, uh, you know, guys, you know, and like the way, uh, you know, something that I really look for at the quarterback position when I'm, I'm scouting these guys, uh, going from the college level to the NFL level is the ability to make quick, spontaneous decisions. And that's ultimately what Zach Wilson's two for me over Justin Fields. He consistently makes those quick, spontaneous decisions uh, that Justin Fields doesn't. He's more methodical with his process. You know, he is staring down his reads. 
And, uh, you know, when it's open, he hits it, boom, move the chains and you keep going. So, uh, you know, it's each team has a different philosophy, how they attack this position. If there was, you know, if it was a position that was easy to evaluate, then we'd have a better than a uh, 50-50 bust rate. Uh, but we don't at the NFL level. The smartest football minds in the world uh, struggle with this position. So I think each NFL team looks at it differently, and it's going to be the same thing with Justin Fields. I, I know some scouts that don't grade him as a first-round pick. Um, you know, that, that's, that's, a, that's a thing. That is an actual thing uh, in this scouting process in the NFL. But a lot of teams are very intrigued with, uh, you know, not only the physical traits, but he's a smart guy. He's a leader. He's very competitive. You know, there's a lot that he brings to the locker room. So he's, uh, he's, he's a not-for-everybody type of quarterback. But for a team that values the high-ceiling traits and the ability to develop some of these players, he's going to be a natural fit. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's move elsewhere in the backfield for Ohio State. I remember I had a conversation with Trey Sermon's high school coach um, when Trey first transferred over, and, and he said to me, you know, Trey, Trey's tailor-made for this running scheme that they have at Ohio State, and, I, and my antennas went up a little bit. I was like, all right, maybe, maybe this will be a little something different than, than I was initially thinking it would be. And then those first few games of the season, it, it just didn't look that way. And, and I think myself and a lot of people were kind of out on Trey Sermon. Even Ryan Day said, like, we're not, we weren't totally sure who this guy is. And then obviously he has the monster end of the year, um, particularly against uh, Northwestern and against Clemson. So like th- those are two games, and I know Trey played played a decent amount, played played a lot at, at Oklahoma. So that there's more of a sample size there than than just those two games. But how much did those two games help Trey Sermon? I guess in, in the eyes of the NFL and, and the way that you evaluated him um, as he goes through this process. I saw you had him number six, I believe, uh, among your running backs. Which I mean, I'm I'm not sure if you made that list in you know, November that Trey would have even been considered to be in the top 10. Yeah, that, I think that's fair. Uh, it really liked him uh, with, you know, he, he, he was on the radar as a freshman because uh, he, he made an immediate impact at Oklahoma uh, really liked him as a sophomore. And then his junior year, you know, where you kind of expected him to take off, it just, it didn't happen. And then he had a knee injury towards the end of the year. Um, and then he moves on to Ohio State, where I agree. I, I thought that would be a perfect fit. But, you know, with the pandemic and with his knee injury, working back from that, um, you know, a new scheme, new teammates, all of that, you know, it just it didn't materialize. And it was just like, OK, what happened to, to uh, Trey Sermon? I, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, but then towards the end of the year, it just started to click for him. And it, he really flourished in Ryan Day's zone scheme. You know, that outside outside zone, the duo runs, just a, a perfect fit for what he does. Uh, that, that body balance, the uh, foot agility, 
Uh, watching a Michigan State, Northwestern, Clemson. I mean, those three games, I don't know that you're going to find a better three-game stretch for a runner. So um, a, a big fan of what – I mean, he was the MVP. I mean, Justin Fields was – uh, you know, up and down over that those three games. Mm-hmm. Trey Sermon was the MVP uh, for Ohio State. I, I think he's one of the better screen running backs in this draft class. Uh, soft hands. He works really well in space. He's patient. Um, he's got enough speed where he can reach the corner, but he can also drop his shoulder and run through guys. So, you know, he's a little bit, you know, uh, bigger and, you know, he's a bigger target for uh, uh, defenders to hit, especially when he asks him to run up the middle. But if you can get him out in space where he can use his vision, use his patience, use his body balance, he's a really, really talented runner. Do you think he he needs to land in a in a similar scheme to what Ohio State runs in terms of his, his offense in the NFL? Does he need to be in kind of one of those outside zone schemes at the pro level too? To maximize what he can do, I think so, yeah. You, you drop him into an outside zone scheme, um, I think he's going to be a quality rotational guy. Uh, third down value, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that he's ever going to be a pro bowler, but just a quality rotational back in a, in an outside zone scheme who uh, can be just a valuable piece of what they're trying to do in offense. The two interior linemen guys, Wyatt, Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers, um, why, maybe Wyatt in particular, I, I thought maybe he was a, he was a bit better in 2019 than he was in 2020. 2020 was a weird year for everybody. So I don't know how, how much that gets held against him, but you know, he decided to come back after a really solid year in 2019, which made sense because he just hadn't played that much. He was basically a one-year starter. Um, h- how he comes out right now, the, do you think any more of him, any less of him based on 2020, or is, is about the same as it would have been if he came out after 2019? Honestly, I, I I did not like his 2020 tape at all. I was I was pretty disappointed, and I it's really confusing because watching him over the summer, I thought, okay, this is a guy that's a chance to be a first round pick. Um, and it just didn't play at that level uh, this past year. You saw a guy that was – he played narrow. Uh, he got bullied um, constantly in reverse. Uh, you know, it, it, he was lunging. Uh, you know, his – he wasn't playing balanced. Um, I, I don't I – don't, just really, really confusing. I mean, you, you can watch him against, uh, you know, Alabama uh, before his injury. And um, I don't know how much of it – I didn't know he was banged up down the stretch. Uh, he had a knee injury. Um, I think it gets Michigan state was it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't know how much that affected him down the stretch. Uh, then he, I know he got hurt again, um, against Alabama, but you know, he, he did not look like a first round pick. And at this point, I'd be very surprised if he went in the first round. Um, you know, he's looking at more of a, uh, you know, day two type of player, but you know, he's still a quality player. He's still a quality, uh, quality blocker because he's, he's quick for a big man. Um, you know, he's got striking power. He's got awareness, um, he just needs to play under control. He needs to play that snap to snap consistency just needs to be there. It needs to be better. Uh, he, cause he has the hand strength. He's got the anchor. Uh, he can finish. Uh, I, I think he can compete, compete as a rookie in the NFL for, for starting reps. It just, he needs to be more consistent in order to get there. How about Josh Myers? Do you, do you think that his 2020 compared to 2019, was that any better, any worse? I think it was uh, maybe on par. I don't know that it was better or worse. Um, I think he's just, he's got things he needs to work on too, but he's just going to be, he's exactly what a lot of teams look for at the center position. Uh, You know, and it's interesting because he was a a guard only in high school, uh, goes to Ohio state, moves to center. And you can tell he's still kind of working on, um, some of the pass protection techniques and he's still getting better in that area or he still needs to get better in that area. Um, but, and he's not, not the best athlete uh, in terms of uh, the offensive line in his class, but he's not, not a bad athlete by any means. 
Um, you know, he, he's a guy that he has the desired levels of toughness, smarts, execution. Um, you know, he has the, the size, the body control. Uh, he can anchor. He can strike from his hips. He can create some movement in the run game. Um, just a highly physical player. And so when you have the, the smarts, you have the, the physicalness, uh, there, there's a lot that, uh, you know, check the boxes that what teams are looking for at the center position. Uh, the, the other guy from the offense that's part of this draft class is, is tight end Luke Farrell, who like no one really talks about him. He's not the, he's not the flashiest guy. We, we know the names, I think, well, at least the top names at the tight end position in, in this draft, you know, Kyle Pitts, Pat Fryermuth, Revan Jordan, Hunter Long. How much farther down the list do you need to go at the tight end position before we start talking about Luke Farrell? Uh, a pretty, I would say he's somewhere uh, in the, you know, early PFA range. Um, you know, I think that maybe there's a shot he gets drafted late. You know, I, I, I won't say it's impossible because all it takes is one team in the later rounds. Um, you know, I know he, he did have a few draftable grades coming into the year, sixth, seventh round. I don't know that he did much as a senior to, um, you know, boost that at all, but uh, he didn't help hurt himself either. I don't think he, you know, he did anything to necessarily hurt himself. He's, he's a good sized player. Not, not, uh, you know, he didn't have a chance to be a dynamic pass catcher in this offense, but you know, he was fairly reliable when targeted, um, you know, basic, uh, block execution was there. So, you know, in this draft, we look at these tight ends. I, he's probably somewhere between, you know, 14 and 17 in the rankings um and so that's usually right around the early pfa range it's a little surprising to me um to to, to hear that I, I guess it makes sense on some level but you know i, I think about jeff hireman and, and nick vanette and, and guys who were who had at least similar production i guess to, to luke farrell i know that maybe yeah. they're a little higher end prospects but the idea that luke might not even be drafted is is, is a little surprising to me to hear but like he is he he's a, a you know a full, I guess, few steps lower as a prospect than, than those guys like Ironman and Vanette? I think so. You know, it, it, he's, it, he's a solid player, which I don't, there's not something that you don't look at him and say, okay, well this, he can't do this or he can't do that. And there's no way he's going to make it because he's, he's got a pretty well-rounded skill set. It's just, you know, what, how, you know, I think teams are going to, the, the way teams will look at it is they'll look at their tight end depth chart. They'll look at him and say, okay, what does he offer that my tight end depth chart doesn't have already? And, you know, it's, is he tapped out as a prospect or do we think he can get that much better in, you know, in this area or that area? And I'm just not sure that teams are going to look at him and say, you know what, this, this gives us a, a, you know, an obvious upgrade at our backup tight end spot or something like that. And so uh, that's why I think there's a better chance he get, he's a PFA, but he, he definitely has a shot to get drafted in later rounds. There are four guys on the defensive side who, who went to the senior bowl, um, Jonathan Cooper, Baron Browning, Tuff Borland, Justin Hilliard. Which of those guys do you think came out of that senior bowl week having helped himself the most? You'd probably have to say Justin Hilliard. Um, I, this guy is so easy to root for. Um, you know, a player who, uh, you know, I don't, Ohio State fans know the story. Um, you know, I being a five star guy who thought he'd be three and out to being, you know, spending twice as much time uh, in Columbus at the college level playing six seasons. Um, it, when he was healthy and on the field, uh, he was outstanding this year. Um, that's, that's exactly what you want to see from, from a linebacker plays with Twitch plays with speed. Um, you know, there's some things he needs to clean up I and mean, there, there are obviously some, some, some areas where, uh, you can tell he just has not played a ton of football, 
but uh, there's a, there's a lot to like, and I thought he, he handled himself well at the Senior Bowl. And so the the big thing is just going to be the medicals. Uh, what do what do the doctors say about uh, you know the biceps, um, you know the the Achilles, um, you know just making sure that uh, there's nothing long term that they worry about. You know, can he at least play out his rookie contract? If I'm a GM, that's what I'm asking my doctors. If they say that he'll, he'll play his rookie contract and they feel confident about that, uh, you know, not. Uh, forecasting new injuries, but just his old injuries. Um, you know, I, I, he's definitely a draftable player because I don't think talent's the question with Justin Hilliard. You are uh, you're an Ohio guy. I'm, I'm sure you're you've paid enough attention to Ohio State to know that that a lot of us who follow the program every day for three years are wondering why Byron Browning was playing middle linebacker, not outside linebacker. <laughs> uh, he he played outside this year. He played outside of the Senior Bowl. I'm I'm assuming that's where you think he'll be in the NFL. Is is he? I don't know. Is he like a four, a, a four three Sam or Will like he was at Ohio State? Do you view him more as maybe a, a three four kind of rush end more than anything else as, as he moved to the pro level? Yeah, I think that's kind of the question. I, and I think you're going to get based off a of scheme, you're going to get different answers. For a four three team, he's going to be a Sam. For a three four team, they're going to look at him as a, a designated pass rusher and a guy that can play off the ball. So uh, that uh, he he has some of the the scheme diversity that you want at the linebacker position where he's going to fit different schemes and, and what they're asked to do. Um, you know, there, there's no question about his athleticism for his size. He, he's, he's, he's special in that regard, you know, great looking on the hoof. Uh, his reaction movements are outstanding. The athletic traits, he can hold up one-on-one versus backs versus tight ends. Um, you know, the, he, he could be a matchup player. And in the NFL, that's what you're looking for at linebacker guys that you don't have to hide. You don't have to take them off the field in certain situations. You know, you can keep them on the field on third down or, you know, it just doesn't matter the situation. And I think Baron Browning gives you that. Um, so that role at the next level is just going to be different from team to team. Um, the, but the athletic versatility is definitely the key. He plays physical. Um, I think the mental side is still a work in progress in terms of his development. His vision can be inconsistent. Um, the block, the run fit recognition is different. Uh, or it has been, um, you know, an issue for him, just an area he needs to get better. So uh, overall, uh, I wish he played with a little bit better anticipation, but physically impressive and a guy that uh, teams are going to bank on those physical traits and then coach up the rest. So I expect him to be somewhere uh, in the second or third round. It, it seems like perhaps, well, I guess I'll just ask you this. Like Tommy Togiai seems to me like he's a real candidate to perhaps rise up the boards a little bit here as we get closer to the draft. And, and, and I think maybe most mocks at the moment might have him behind maybe someone like Browning in terms of first defensive player off the board for Ohio State. But do you view Tommy as, as a really high upside guy? He is, it was, I guess, a little surprising that he came out, but he had, a, he had an awesome year last year, one of the better defensive tackles in the country. Just where do you view Tommy right now? And, and ultimately how, how, how far do you think he could rise before the, the draft comes? I think that comes down to how, how much you think he's going to develop as a pass rusher? Uh, because that's, that's what gets you drafted high at the defensive tackle position is the ability to impact the pass uh, and impact the quarterback, impact the backfield. And that's, that's not a specialty. I mean, he is a bully. Uh, his, his play strength is outstanding. I mean, he, he's a guy that plays like he's 350 pounds, but he's 300 pounds. Uh, you know, he's just so strong, so stout. Uh, it's just, can he develop uh, that, that pass rush? And that'll be the big key to, to him. Because I think based off of what he is now as a, you know, the chance to be a dominant run defender, he's a top 
75 guy in this draft, um, you know, chance to be a, a second round pick. But how much better can he get as a pass rusher? And I think that's really going to be the, uh, you know, developing that handwork, developing that timing. That's going to be the key to him being a better pro and getting better and then ultimately being a, uh, you know, a guy that's you know going to carve out a, a nice little career in this league. So, you know, the, but the power, the physical hands, the, the instincts, no question about those. He, he's just a really good player. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Do you think uh, the, the versatility that Pete Werner showed at Ohio State is something that translates to the NFL, or do you think he's more likely to kind of slot into the the will position that he played this past year? Is he just going to be maybe a, a Sam in the NFL? Or like he's he was a major key for them in 2019 and 2020. I felt a little under underappreciated for what he did, but I'm not quite sure what that means for him at the next level. No, I, I think the versatility is key for him, um, and not just on defense, but special teams. Uh, he's a four down player. Uh, you know, a guy that you can f- keep on the field for all three downs, but also keep on the field uh, for punt coverage. And just a, a guy that's going to make a lot of, uh, a lot of plays on special teams. That That's going to be uh, his key uh, to staying on an NFL roster and, you know, maybe eventually pushing for a starting job. So there's a lot to like about him as an athlete. Uh, it seemed like I, I really liked him as a senior. I, I, I liked him as a sophomore, as a junior. I thought he, he was solid, more of a, um, you know, third, fourth round type of linebacker, but I thought he played a lot better as a senior. Um, just, he seemed like he was seeing things quicker. Um, he was better in coverage. I thought, um, there, he had some bad coverage reps on his junior tape, but the senior tape, he really, really did a better job. Uh, very smooth in his drops. He's very, he's very smart player. Um, and you know, he's just, his sights are always on the football, uh, and not o- only where it is, but where it's going. And so he takes really smart angles. Um, uh, just that versatility is going to be key for him. Uh, whether you play him at Sam at will, um, you know, can he, can he be a starter? I think he can. And I think he's going to have some positional flexibility, uh, based off of the scheme that drafts him. And I, I saved this guy for last and, and intentionally because it just sort of feels feels right for the way this season progressed for him, I suppose. Uh, I, I'm not sure I've seen a guy's stock drop as much as, as Sean Wade's did this past year. And maybe you have because you followed this clip more closely than I have. Like, what are we talking about? Like, I, I think he was a, there's a chance maybe he could have been a first-round pick last year, second-round pick last year. Are we talking, like, fourth, fifth round for him now? I, I noticed he wasn't in your top 100, which makes sense based off how he played. Like, what what are you envisioning for Sean Wade as he goes through this process? Yeah, he he was a guy that if he came out last year, he's probably drafted somewhere second, third round, like you said. Um, and then coming into this year, 
as you're projecting him forward, you're thinking, okay, with if he takes the the necessary steps in his trajectory where he's headed, he's going to be a first round pick. And it just went the opposite way. And I, I don't, it looked like he was coasting and it wasn't just like the play. It was the, the effort level was not very, was not what you expect. And I know he was hurt a little bit, but I mean, then you're hurting yourself and you're hurting your team by being out there and trying to play hurt. And you shouldn't be out there. So uh, it's, he's an enigma. I, I, he is a hard guy to figure out because he, if, if you watch his tape this past year, you come away thinking, okay, well, he's not an outside corner. Uh, I mean, he, he showed on tape that he's just, he can't do it. He's not very good at that. So what is he? You watch his 2019 film and it's, it's good. It's not, uh, you know, amazing as an inside player. Um, uh, is he a safety? I, it, figuring out where he fits best is tough. Um, I think he's a, he's solid tackler. Um, not, not a great tackler. He'll have some, some bad misses here and there. Um, as an athlete, he's, he moves well. He's a, he, he's a good athlete. But in respect to coverage, it's just he takes too many false steps. His hips are turned the wrong way. Um, you know, he, he doesn't play like he understands what the receiver's doing. And that's part of playing defensive back at a high level is understanding route combinations and understanding play design and what the receivers are trying to do and staying on top of those plays. And he just he struggled to do that and against different types of receivers, you know, against Dotson at Penn State. Uh, he struggled. Who's more of an undersized, speedy guy? And then, it, but it is the same thing against Cornell Powell against Clemson, who's a a bigger, more physical receiver. So he struggled against different types of, of receivers, and it's it's just you get different different answers uh, from different um, uh, evaluators in terms of where he fits best, what position, uh, what scheme, um, you know, what are you doing with him? He's just he's a tough player to figure out, and I. I would be surprised if he's drafted in the top 100 picks um, just based off what he, what he did this past year. Um, you know, hopefully he does well at his pro day just to kind of salvage that a little bit and, and, you know, remind teams that, Hey, yeah, I'm still a really good athlete. Um, you know, I, I, I can, uh, you know, move really well. I just need to be coached up in a few areas, this and this. And so, you know, I, I, I he's a tough player to talk about because he, he's a tough guy to figure out. All right, I'll, I'll end with you on this year. These are guys that, that aren't in, in this year's draft, but guys who decided to come back. And, and I think, you know, Chris Olave's at the top of that list. I'm sure a lot of people were shocked by him coming back. And and I think some people probably had a first-round grade on him, and he's coming back for Ohio State, which which is great for the Buckeyes, but, but kind of strange to see a guy that could do that. Maybe outside of him, uh, other guys like Tyreek Smith, Thayer Munford, Jeremy Ruckert, Haskell Garrett, like – of those four guys, like maybe who was the most surprising to you? Who who do you think might have had, um, I don't know, the, the the best upside as a draft prospect had they come out this year? Uh, probably probably Ruckert. Um, you know, he just he, there's so much to like about him as as a tight end. Uh, he's got that physical appetite you want as a blocker, but he's also flexible and carries his weight well down the field as a pass catcher. He can work the middle of the field. Um, I, a big fan of, uh, of Rucker. I thought he was going to be a day two pick. Um, Tyreek Smith, you know, I, he's physically strapped together. I mean, he's traits wise. There's a lot to like, he's toolsy, but he's just not a, a polished player right now. And it mm-hmm. shows, um, you know, he doesn't know how to necessarily use all of his gifts in unison to be productive. So Tyreek Smith, this is going to be a big summer for him in terms of or big off season in terms of putting it all together and having a, a big 2021 season. 
Um, you know, Haskell Garrett, uh, I, I was surprised he came back too. I thought he would, he was going to be drafted somewhere in the top four rounds, um, based off of what he did uh, in 2020. So, you know, he's got a chance to, uh, you know, go back and, and help himself even more. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll see, uh, without Togiai next to him, how much he's able to do that, but he, he's a really good player. And it, it was a big get for Buckeyes, <laughs> for the Buckeyes, uh, to get him back on the defensive line. Is, if Thayer Munford puts together another healthy, productive year like you had last year, does he have first round potential? I, be, uh, you know, based off of this year, I I didn't see anything like that. I thought he was um, maybe a top one hundred guy. I mean, okay. he was. It, it's funny you talk to some scouts and you you hear third round. You talk to other scouts, you hear seventh round. Um, you know, he's just a, he's a not for everybody type of type of uh, blocker because a lot of times it doesn't look pretty. Uh, you know, he is a. He lunges, um, you know, he, he doesn't have great foot quickness. Um, you know, it's easy for blockers to get underneath him. He'll struggle to redirect for his inside moves. Um, he just moves heavy. But you know what? He's long, he's wide, and he figures out a way to get the job done. And he stays between blocker or between uh, defender and the ball. So, and at the end of the day, that that's 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 the goal of playing offensive line. So, um, you know, teams will be a little more forgiving and, you know, we'll say it doesn't always look pretty, but it's, it works. And so, you know, we'll, we'll gladly take that and take our chances while other teams that are more, you know, traits focused and looking for specific things at the position uh, just, he won't be for them. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm eager to see him as a senior uh, to see if he can, uh, you know, change that narrative at all. And maybe, uh, you know, kind of help himself in his final year. All right, Dane Brugler, you're a busy man. We appreciate you giving us uh, 35 minutes here on Ohio State's draft class. Please follow Dane if you're not already on Twitter at DP Brugler. Make sure you're following his work at The Athletic. And again, subscribe to The Athletic and you get Dane's draft guide, which should come out sometime in April. Thanks again, Dane. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, good luck uh, the next <laughs> few months as I'm sure you're going to be the busiest man on the planet. Oh, thanks, Bill. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it's the, the Buckeyes keep me busy, man. I, I, it's almost like uh, I, I kind of take a deep breath before I attack that tape because uh, it's hard to focus on one of these guys. There's always someone else to watch and all that. So uh, the, the Buckeyes account for a lot of my stress. But, uh, you know, it's <laughs> same. That, yeah, exactly. You can relate. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thanks, Dane. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Bill. Okay, thanks again to Dane Brugler for joining us here on 4 to 6 with AMB. Again, go follow him on Twitter at DP Brugler. Follow him if you're an athletic subscriber, theathletic.com slash 4 6. Get you signed up. You can follow Dane's work. And I cannot emphasize enough just how much of a bonus it is that if you subscribe to the athletic and get to get Dane's draft guide, it is unbelievable, so in depth. Uh, it's kind of crazy how in depth it is. Probably doesn't need to be as in depth as it is, but but it, that's what Dane does. He covers the, the the draft from top to bottom. You won't miss anything if you sign up for the Athletic and get Dane's NFL Draft Guide. So, hope you guys like this. I, I really enjoy the NFL Draft. Um, I know it's not for everybody. Maybe a lot of you guys maybe just care about what's happening with Ohio State and only Ohio State. Um, so, if you are that person. Thanks for hanging through it. Um, if you're if you're a person like me who likes the draft and, and what guys might become when they go to the NFL too, I, I thought that was a fun conversation with Dane. And we hope to bring you some more fun conversations with some other people, kind of in the Ohio State sphere moving forward. But as I said, doesn't change anything with with what you've come to expect from this podcast. So, a lot happening still with Ohio State. Spring balls around the corner. Pro days on March 30th. A lot of questions to ask, a lot of things to dive into with position battles and how the defense is going to change. So we're going to get into all that as you'd expect us to moving forward. And Ari and I will be back with another episode later this week. We'll talk to you then.
Thank you.